0: Spending Christmas with one of our favorite couples. It's episode 348 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James with a Merry Christmas to you and your family. Hopefully, it's been a great one for you so far, and it's going to be a wonderful rest of your holiday season. And normally we do a best-of show, but this week, not so much, because guess what? I've got Ben Aldridge and Emma Pates here, who play, of course, Thomas Wayne and Martha Kane to talk about the mid-season finale of Pennyworth, which is going to be happening just, yeah, this Sunday on Epics already. Can you believe it? The show's not going to be back until 2021. Big things are going to be happening in the mid-season finale. So we'll get some spoiler-free chatter with them about the series up to this point. Also, got some big reviews this week. I think I've waited long enough. Going to talk about The Mandalorian Season 2. Going to be plenty of spoilers about that. Maybe sneak in another review as well. Plus, yeah, we're going to talk about some comics. Not much nerd news, but we'll touch on that also. And a couple, two great sponsors this week talking about the Faraway Collection, once again, from Amazon Original Stories. I'll tell you all about that. And if you're looking for something to help your mental health, tis the season for that for sure. Got an amazing deal for you coming up. I'll tell you all about Talkspace. I've also got a personal note that I want to end the show on here a little bit later on, too, so please stick around for that. But first up, yes, it's time for finally me to talk about The Mandalorian Season 2. A lot of spoiler-filled comments and reviews up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: This is Vanessa Marshall, voice of Gamora on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Hera on Star Wars Rebels on Disney XD. And you're listening to the Down and Nerdy
0: Podcast. When they say, may the Force be with you always, they are not... Kidding. And it was in full force, as a matter of fact, in the season two finale of The Mandalorian, I've given you enough time. Consider this your warning. This is going to be some spoiler-filled chatter, especially about the season two finale. I actually want to focus on the season two finale more than anything else in this discussion. But I'm going to be my overall view of the season because I, I never really got a chance to review it. One of the reasons was because you know the episodes come out on, on Friday. So do new episodes of the podcast that actually come out very early on Friday, late on Thursday. So, you know, it's usually old news by then, but it's not old news talking about this finale because it's still just such a hot button topic. And first of all, I just want to applaud everyone involved in this show. And I do mean everyone. This is the best show at keeping their major spoilers a secret. Because remember all that talk. Now, the whole Luke Skywalker thing that was, you know, a possibility. We knew that because we knew there was only so many Jedi left after what Ahsoka Tano said why she wouldn't train Grogu. So we knew that Luke Skywalker would be a possibility. Remember all the chatter about Sebastian Stan? And I even said on the on, on the show not too long ago about how, you know, recasting a part like Luke Skywalker, probably not a good idea. You know, I'll pass on that. You know, nobody should play Luke Skywalker but Mark Hamill. And then lo and behold, there he is as Luke Skywalker, digitally de-aged Luke Skywalker. It was phenomenal. It was it was absolutely the right decision. Usually I'm not a big fan of that of that kind of thing, but if you're going to do it, do it right. How many times have I said that on the show and I'm just in the course of my life in general. I've said that all the time. If you're going to do it, do it right. And that's exactly what everyone involved and this show did. And, uh, tip of the hat to John Favreau and company for for making that decision. And maybe you didn't like it, but would did you really want somebody else playing this role? I mean, I know that we had the Han Solo series, right? We had Solo, and somebody else played Han. You're not going to de-age Harrison Ford to play a young Han Solo. You're just not going to do it. And this is not like we're talking. It's it's not like we were talking about you know school-aged Luke here. We were talking about a Luke Skywalker that was you know, after the events of Return of the Jedi. He wasn't that much young. You know, the age difference wasn't that great. So to be able to do it this way, I think was absolutely the right way to go. And it was just that presence. And yeah, yes, I absolutely thought of Rogue One when I saw the the lightsaber scene where he's coming down the hallway and just mowing down the dark troopers, right? But so what? It was amazing. And the second you see that green lightsaber, you know. And even Moff Gideon knew, did you see the look on Moff Gideon's face when he not only saw that there was a Jedi on board but when he saw the color of that lightsaber he was like, oh shit he knew so he knew it was bad news and that's why he tried to you know take down Grogu and that you know and that's why the, the, that's why Mando jumped in front of him and saved his life again. but I'll get to that here in just a second. I just thought that this episode of this series was Peak Star Wars at its finest. And I get the criticisms of the show, okay, that I that I've seen. You know, people saying it's basically somebody trying to find a great preschool for their kid. You know, that that that's good for a laugh. And you say there's plot holes and all these other blah blah blah. It's a fun show. Okay? It's fun. It's well written. It's 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 episodic and procedural, but at the same time services a main story. And you know what for anybody who thinks this is the baby Yoda show. And to a degree, it is okay. Obviously, this is Disney. They know they want to sell merchandise. Star Wars has absolutely been about selling merchandise for decades now. Don't come at me with the with this is a new thing. No, 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 no. It, it was like that in the original trilogy too. You just maybe choose not to remember that. But think about this: this show is far more than Baby Yoda. And you know it if you choose to see it. There is so many de- There's so much depth to all of these characters in, in introducing Boba Fett, and then you bring Fennec back, played by Ming Na Wen, and then you introduce Bo-Katan and her crew of Mandalorians, and then you get that twist in the episode with the Dark Saber where Mando has the Dark Saber and now Bo Katan has to win it in combat. He can't just give it to her. There's honor there, and just when you think they're about to throw down, that's when all hell breaks loose with the Dark Troopers, and that's our that's one of our major cliffhangers coming out of the season two finale. Right, is what's going to happen with that? So I I I think that that's something that that's something that brings great intrigue to season three, and maybe the taking of the you know of Mandalore. Maybe the Mandalorians finally get. Their homeland back, and but who is going to be a part of that fight, and who's going to be leading that fight? That's another thing. So I I think that that's something we'll see a lot of in this upcoming third season. And a tip of the cap to Sasha Banks too, by the way, who does a fantastic job as Koska, and and hey, wonderful job all around by this cast. But that that was just one that stood out to me. And Giancarlo Esposito is a friggin' gem. He was just so Moff Gideon was so evil and unlikable. It you know, it rivaled his character on the boys so much. But but in a very different way. Giancarlo Esposito just should be in absolutely everything, as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't think there's a single thing I can think of that I did not enjoy watching him in. And I mean just seeing Boba Fett on screen again and Tamara Morrison and knowing that book of Boba Fett is going to continue that. I'll get to that later on in nerd news. I will touch on that later on. I don't want to do that here. But if you didn't tear up when Grogu says goodbye to Mando, I'm not saying like full on cry. But if you didn't at least get emotional, then you don't get the show. You absolutely don't get the show. And you didn't feel that connection. If you didn't feel that connection then you never really wanted to love this show in the first place because Star Wars isn't all about cool ships and space fights, okay? It's absolutely more than that as well. There's always been a deep emotional connection in Star Wars, in the canon. There's always been that. And, that, and they brought that to this series, and it was palpable. Think about all the things that Mando said when the series started and all of these different things that he said he would never do. And because of how he felt for this child, not just his duty to this child, but his feelings toward And, and someone who shouldn't shouldn't have these feelings in the first place, but couldn't help but develop a bond with this child and to the point where he would do anything like like a parent would do adopted or otherwise would do anything for their child. And that's that's how he felt. And when he says, I'll see you again, I promise that's that's one of the things that really hit me, man. That hit me really, really hard, especially with somebody as somebody with children and and thinking about having to say goodbye, but knowing that that is the best thing for him. That was the best he needed to be trained. And I loved that quick interaction between Mando and Luke Skywalker, too. I thought that, you know, that there was a little bit of tension there, just a little bit. And then you kind of, and, and then Luke, cool as a cucumber, right? Just like you remember that, that, that was the Luke Skywalker we remember from Return of the Jedi. And that's the one that we remember now. And of course, you know, not too long after Luke having to say goodbye to his own father, too, by the way. Let's, let's not, let's not discount that. And when Luke says, I would give my life to protect the child. That's what you want to hear when you're trying to build up a trust with someone. And, and he obviously trusted him. But there's just so much great character work in this series. The action sequences, not just with Luke Skywalker, but with the entire cast in this, was, was absolutely top-notch. The plan that they put together, I thought, was a solid one. And you think in every episode of this season, I don't really think there were any wasted episodes. Every episode made me want to see the next one immediately. And that's, again, how I felt after this finale. I'm like, I ha- I want season three, but now i got to wait, what, a year, maybe more for this thing now? And again, I'll get to that a little bit later on in Nerd News. But The Mandalorian is just a series that, yes, while there are some, you know, characters that are going to sell a lot of merchandise in this they are also characters of a lot of depth they're also characters that you know are just fun characters and i get you know maybe maybe you don't like that mando broke the rules but that's part of the fun of the show right is being able to discuss whether or not he should have taken his helmet off in any instance or maybe bo katan was right it's like saying you know what you're you're stuck in the old ways man you got to start living in the future and, and and how their relationship is going to be from here on out as far as whether they're going to be able to work together or not, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And that end credit scene, you know, with Boba Fett going back to Jabba's palace and, you know, just mowing everybody down and taking the, you know, for lack of a better term, throne. It was absolutely amazing. So season two of The Mandalorian, I mean, I, I, I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed it. I, if you want to criticize the show fine, maybe you just don't get it. I'm not gonna say you you have to like the show. I'm not that guy, but at the same time, there's certain shows that I understand that when I watch them and if I don't enjoy it, somebody else might because maybe it's just not for me. Maybe this is just not for you, but you know what? It kind of should be for you because this is a really good show if you if you want to see the depth in it. And John Favreau, as far as I'm concerned, can just take over the Star Wars world completely just guide, show us the way john and we will follow because you have created an amazing winner here and and after his can even with his success with marvel studios i think it's time to trust john favreau to do almost anything at this point so do yourself a favor if you haven't already and stream season two of the mandalorian right now on disney plus even though i I had a ton of spoilers there for you you're going to want to see it for yourself if you haven't already This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by the Faraway Collection and Amazon Original Stories Collection, which is, yeah, it's reimagined fairy tales for adults. And it's five amazing original best-selling authors that are a part of these things. It's kind of new reflections on certain stories. As a matter of fact, one of the stories that's involved here, it's a retelling of Hansel and Gretel. And maybe you think you've seen a retelling of this story before, but... These stories kind of take a modern twist like this one from author Nick Stone. And it actually involves, you know, two anxious lovers. They're, they're in the woods. They see this, this you know, mansion and a dark clearing. And then things sort of go from there. And that's one of the things that you're going to get in all five of these amazing stories. As a matter of fact, right now, you can go to Amazon.com slash Stories. That's Amazon.com slash RAWAY stories and guess what if you're a prime member you get to read or listen to them absolutely free because yes there are both readable versions and versions that you can listen to as well audio and ebook formats so prepare to be charmed, moved, enlightened and frightened all over again with the Faraway collection from Amazon Original Stories that's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of season two, the season two finale of The Mandalorian, and the second season. Just in general, up next, once again, it's time to talk about Pennyworth. This time, I'm going to be joined by Ben Aldridge, and Emma Pates, to talk about yeah, that crazy relationship between Thomas Wayne and Martha Kane. We'll talk to them next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: This is Jessica Lucas from Gotham on Fox, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Hey, Ben, Emma, how you doing? Good, Good thank how are you. How are you? So, watching Thomas and Martha was definitely one of my favorite things about last season. It's definitely going to be one of my favorites about this season too. I can already tell. What's the most fun part about that dynamic for you guys?
1: Oh, I, I think it's the um, <laughs> it's their it's their conflict. Like that's the they are never in a scene where they are just plainly getting along. Or they might be for like the first ten seconds of the scene, and then something is said that inflames one or the both of them, and then then there's this usually a set two of like. A, an ideological ethical debate and sometimes it's sort of a very interpersonal relationship debate about the roles of a man of a woman or a woman in a relationship and they're, they're brilliantly written scenes. They're, they're yeah. really good ones to work are And
2: they're never, they're never written in a sort of false idea of what an argument like that might be which would be like starts off fine and then it gets worse and worse and worse until they're shouting at each other and then that's it. There's sort of like peaks and troughs throughout yeah. and then they go back on each other and it seems okay and then it's really not and then it's fine like which is what happens in a real arguments and real relationships they have weird ebbs and flows and dips in them where you think things are fine and then there's actually several things going on at once
0: one of the things i like too is if you watch the care other characters and scenes around you guys everybody looks at you guys like do you guys realize this because we all see it and we don't know if you see it
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: do they realize yes. that they're crazy <laughs> well yeah i mean either way Crazy i think we love. all realize that <laughs> definitely definitely Now, as we go into season two, we see Thomas and Martha kind of in some very different roles than they were last season. So how much can you tease for us about what's going on early on?
2: Well, geographically, they're in completely different places from each other. Thomas has gone back to America. Martha is fighting on the ground with the league against the Raven Union. And Martha's really just... Dog herself into that role is really thriving and enjoying it. Feels she's found her purpose and is really liberated in having a purpose.
1: And I guess uh, Thomas, yeah, he, he he's obviously gone back to America to rest and recuperate from the bullet wound to the chest, which he survived, <laughs> and finds himself in Langley, at a, a, a meeting CIA headquarters, where they unexpectedly promote him to station chief back in London, which is a difficult meeting for him anyway because he's advising them to do something completely different. And they, they kind of bulldoze him and then say, well, not only are we bulldozing what you want to do, we're also giving you responsibility of carrying out all of those actions. I think he's kind of further and broad in the CIA. He is seduced by power. So it's, it, that's not all bad for him. But I think it means that he, uh, he even more has to carry out some kind of very questionable political decisions against his own guiding principles.
0: I was just going to ask you about that for the both of you. Are, how many ethical dilemmas do both of your characters face this season? Because early on, it seems like that's going to be a thing.
1: Yeah. I wonder if maybe Thomas might be Martha's one of Martha's big ethical dilemmas because he, I, I don't know, he's always a lot of the time working for the team that she absolutely doesn't agree with. So, And I think he finds that difficult as well. But I think more throughout this season, we kind of see him, him doing that more will, more willingly and playing the game more i think the the power game within the cia so yeah i don't know emma what do you think
2: yeah no i i agree i think and i think martha gets because as she gets involved more deeply within the league she kind of sees a lot more like political machinations with so do you say that word (laughs) you You got it
0: i mean you you nailed it that's i mean if you were trying to figure out how to say that word that's (laughs) it yeah Yeah.
2: more (laughs) she she gets more involved with the political machinations of the league and sort of like sees how the sausage is made in ways that like just just (laughs) diplomatic decisions are made and i think that she's such an idealist that a lot of the decision making processes processes that go on are disturbing to her and she kind of has to weigh up what what's the greater cause that they're aiming for here what sort of compromises should they make and that's like a big struggle internally with her and a lot of her decision making i think throughout
0: So speaking of ethical dilemmas, I'd say that absence makes the heart grow fonder, but we actually saw even in the trailer that uh, Thomas is actually engaged to somebody else. I mean, I know it's been a year, but uh, what the hell, Ben and Emma, what do you think is going to be Martha's reaction to all this?
2: I think think she's going to like
1: it. (laughs) I think it's funny because I think he comes back delivering the news thinking that she is going to – she's going to be really upset. I think he's really concerned for the fact that he might have broken her heart, but she does – that is not what he discovers, anyway. <laughs> um, well, not what she chooses to present.
2: Not what she chooses. Ah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think I think it happens. But I think he is probably pressured by his family. He's an heir to a huge fortune. I think it was very important then to have, you know, to start a family and be married at, at his age. So I think um, his choice is probably, you know, impacted by by someone his mother has found for him. Uh, to marry and it feels like yeah it feels like a, it feels like a fine fit that that will do but i think everything that that woman is he it leaves him longing for the spark of what these two share you know they they are they're totally on equal footing in terms of their they're well matched intellectually they can debate with each other they annoy each other i think there is a real attraction in their in the fire their passion that they they both have the fire <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry to have myself say that and couldn't believe I said it I so can't wait for that Meet the parents moment I really hope we get that At some point in this show I think that'll oh, be Oh yes
1: That'd be amazing
0: Now we've actually known Since September That Martha is going to be pregnant At some point in this season So fans immediately get excited And they go Ooh baby Batman But I just kind of have a feeling It's just not gonna be that simple So how much can you guys Tease for us about that? Nothing <laughs> that's about it how did i know you were going to say that (laughs) that's okay we'll 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 take the coin nothing (laughs) (laughs) so let's let's move on to a complicated relationship that you both have as well with with alfred obviously after what happened last season so heading into season two how would you say that thomas and martha actually feel about alfred because i kind of feel like that might be different
2: I think that, I mean, Martha's gone through big ebbs and flows about how she feels about Alfred from the beginning of the first season to this one. I think that Alfred is in like a much darker place in the top of season two with dealing with the fallout from killing his dad and now just trying to get by in this crumbling world that is London in this, in season two. And I think Martha doesn't totally respect where Alfred has placed himself in all of that. I think I think that probably at the end of the day Martha thinks that Alfred should know better and is maybe disappointed with the decisions that he makes at the top of the show. Maybe it changes.
1: And I think Thomas Thomas never gets what he wants from Alfred. He's obviously, you know, he, he's the CIA's number one asset pretty much and and he, Thomas has been charged with the quest of trying to win him over for several different reasons, for several different missions. And I think more than just that, I think um, Thomas would love for Alfred to like Thomas. (laughs) I think Thomas hasn't been Mm. unliked or not being able to charm people very much in his life. And Alfred just won't give him anything. And there's every scene between them, there's there's a real power play as to who can be almost, you know, almost who can be more standoffish. And Alfred always wins. I think uh, most scenes kind of use, you, are, it's, they have a sense of, of Thomas kind of trying to develop some kind of relationship, friendship, and Alfred kind of you know rejects him or very much holds him at arm's length. But in within this season, that does change, and and we we see for the f- the first time we see Alfred coming to Thomas um, rather than being the other way around. So that that's been an interesting shift. That's
2: what I like about the difference with martha and alfred and thomas and alfred though is that yeah there is a sense that thomas wants him to like him but i don't get i don't think martha cares if alfred likes no. her
0: no not no. at all <laughs> 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 well i can't wait to see what's going to happen and fans are going to love it december 13th that is a sunday on epics make sure you're watching pennyworth season two ben aldridge emma pates thank you so much for joining me thank, thank you, James. you take care this week, the Dan and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Talkspace. And this is the time of year, you know, it's easy to feel overwhelmed right now. I mean, you're a human being. There's a lot to be anxious about between, the, you know, 24-7 news, the pandemic, politics, just the stress of the holiday season in general. We need to take care of our mental health and work through our emotions. You could do that with a licensed therapist on Talkspace, like like, like for me, I, I've got I've got kids that I have to take care of during the day. You know, dealing with virtual schooling and and everything, and working and other personal stuff that's going on in my life. With Talkspace, you can actually sign up online, download the app, and start therapy that same day with a licensed therapist at a fraction of the cost of traditional therapy. And depending on the plan you choose, you can actually message or schedule live video sessions. With your therapist. So there's your convenience right there. And you can do this on your schedule. And you'll pay the same amount every month. And it's easy to do this on a budget Talkspace. That's one of the great things about Talkspace. Is that it is affordable. It's the fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And you have unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7. And they'll engage with you daily five days a week. So here's what you can do. You can talk to your friends, and that's great. But talking to a licensed therapist, really, really beneficial for your mental health. And as a matter of fact, you can get $100 off your first month with Talkspace right now. They'll match you with a licensed therapist. Go to Talkspace.com or download the app. And make sure you use promo code DNPOD to get $100 off your first month. So that's DNPOD. P-O-D, either at Talkspace.com or on the Talkspace app to get $100 off and make sure you do the one thing you should absolutely do all the time, but make it a priority in 2021. Take care of your mental health with Talkspace. Once again, I want to thank Ben Aldridge and Emma Pates for joining me to talk about the season two mid-season finale of Pennyworth on Epics, which you can watch this coming Sunday, December the 27th. And of course, make sure you're watching it again On the Epics app later on. Up next, we're going to dive into the pages of some really good comics, even though it's the holiday season. We still had a new comic book day this past week. It's what we're reading next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co creator of The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to me on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Whether it's in the pages or on the screen, whatever Santa brought you this year, it's time for what we're reading and books that came out. This Christmas week, the first of which I was actually really looking forward to when it was first announced. And it was King Size Conan at number one from Marvel Comics. Of course, you know Marvel now taking over the Conan the Barbarian license. And there's multiple creative teams on this. We'd be here until New Year's. I told you all of them. So make sure you go to nerdypodcast.com to get the full information on all the creative teams. And I'm not really going to spoil this. I know I typically do spoilers with comics, but I, I again, there's so many stories here, and what we get to actually see are many sides of Conan, that we or, or Conan, however you want to say it, what, whatever your preferences. We'll go. With, well, I'll go with Conan from now on because I don't want to make anybody mad. So here we go. All these stories are at different stages of his life. Well, not all of them, because there's like five stories, I think there is. And you get to do, you actually do get to cover many different stages of his life though. You get to see the warrior, you get to see the mercenary, you get to see the honorable fighter, you even get to see a brash and immature Conan at one point or another. But I've got to tell you, for me, as I was going through these, the story by Steve Tonight was by far the best of the bunch with art from Jesus Saiz. And I got to tell you, it was it was told of a it was kind of a story about a, a possessed ship. That's as far as I want to go as far as what the story was about, as far as spoilers are concerned. But it's also a glimpse of the future for Conan as well. And it, it, it's funny how he reacts to what he sees. We don't really get to see it. I will tell you that much. We don't really get to see. What Conan sees, but it, it, you could the way he reacts to it, I thought was really, really interesting. The other story that really stood out to me was the one by Chris, Chris Claremont. Big surprise, right? That a Chris Claremont story would be of the best of the bunch. I mean, it delivers a great story uh, of a battle, which is which we see a lot in the in this in this comic and several of the stories, but it has a far more personal end than most do. And, and the way that again Conan handles. The situation and how he... It's an interaction between he and another character. And and it's very much centered around that. Very, very interesting. Very, very different take on what you would normally see from a battle scene. Especially from opposing sides, too. This issue is actually really great to me. For anyone who's a long-time Conan fan of the last 50 years of comics anyway, as as far as the comics are concerned. But I gotta say that this one, I felt like, was also a really good issue for someone that really was not quite familiar with all sides to this character and the kind of perspective that we got over this 50 years. It was, so it was a celebration, but at the same time, I feel like it's also a good jumping-on point for somebody who might want to learn more about the character, especially since we've got that live-action series coming to Netflix as well. So yeah, go ahead and pick up King Size Conan, A Barbarian. I thought that... I'm curious to see exactly how you guys would feel about it. Jumping back into the pages of Endless Winter 2, I'm at Justice League Dark, number 29. Anytime I see a Justice League Dark book, I'm I'm bound to pick it up. I'm I'm just putting that out there. Andy Lanning and Ron Mars once again doing the writing here. And this name, I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to try my best. Amanke Nafuelpan. Doing the art there. And that's... I, I tried my best there. Please correct me if I got that wrong, which I'm sure I did. Jun Chung doing the colors, colors here. And Rob Lay on the letters. And this is Endless Winter Part 7. And I've really enjoyed the Endless Winter arc so far. Gonna maybe do... Maybe minor spoilers here. So, especially if you haven't read up to this point. So, just buckle in for that. We actually get to find out what happens to the Frost King, though. In the battle with the Viking Prince and Hippolyta and Black Adam from many years ago, the first appearance of the Frost King, actually. And I actually also provide some insight on how to possibly defeat him in the here and now, which has been the problem. And as as Barry, Barry Allen says at this at one point in this issue, that you know the Earth might not be able to recover from this as it is, but we can defeat this enemy if we know how. So that, that's what they're trying to do. They're desperately trying to save what they can, what's left of the Earth, actually. So... Now Diana kind of takes up her mother's mission in the present and assembles the Dark Team, or, you know, Justice League Dark Team, kind of search for help. And that means looking for Swamp Thing. If you read earlier issues of, of Endless Winter, you know what happened to Swamp Thing. So they head to New Mira and they find that kind of Swampy's done some redecorating. And I got to tell you, I like what he did with the place. and And hats off to the art team too, by the way, but I'll get to that in a second. Now, he says he kind of can't go with them in their struggle, as he says. But that's where the ideas start to get a little crazy. And and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. So a summoning and a slice of green later, and the odds are finally tipped in the favor of the good guys. And, and I got to tell you, the, the end reveal for this, it might not be necessarily a wow moment, but but in the context of this story, it was. So in the overall grand scheme of things, it's not one of those things like, oh, you'll remember this forever. But if you're a fan of this arc this is one of the moments that you'll look fondly back upon and go yeah that was a pretty cool moment endless winters kind of been a place where it's been very personal i think uh, especially when it comes to the villain of the story so th- there's a lot of personal aspects to the story and i think that that's really cool for for a long-running arc here and i like how it's spanning. ...over different stories and different issues... ...and, and it, the way that they've crafted the story so far... ...has made a lot of sense... ...in being able to tie in all these different characters... ...and all these different books. I mean, I, I talked about Aquaman number 66 last week... ...and all of this makes sense. It was It's not just a random jumble of issues. Each one has its own point to the story... ...and that's not something you get all the time. That's what we should when it comes to arcs like this... ...but that doesn't always happen... It's been a really enjoyable one too, by the way. Certainly comes from that personal place. I do love that the art team does a great job here, bringing out that humanity too, especially in a scene that it happens in a panel that happens with the Frost King. Also creates some very stunning settings, though. Really draws your eye to the page, especially when we are dealing with Swamp Thing and some of the earlier parts of this issue as well. When we're, when we're seeing these like these monsters of the endless winter, very very cool stuff. This is a story I definitely need to see the end of. I'll tell you that much right now. I, I have to have the end of this story at some point. So, yeah, go ahead and grab as many issues of this Endless Winter arc as you can, especially Justice League Dark, number 29, because it's a real turning point that happens in this one. That's going to do it for what we're reading up next. Yeah, we'll have a little bit of short nerd news, given the fact it is Christmas week, but I'll get to what I can next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: Hi, my name is Mary Mauser from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: Tis the season to be jolly if you're a TV fan, especially of Star Wars. It's time for nerd news. And not a ton of it, but I do want to look back on some of the stuff that's happened this past week. And Jon Favreau, the basically the king of Star Wars right now as far as I'm concerned, was on Good Morning America recently to kind of confirm some things and clear up some confusion that fans might have had after the Mandalorian Season 2 finale. So here's the deal. You saw the whole thing about the book of Boba Fett, and and you know you can't not be excited about that, especially after you know the way that Tamara Mor- Tamara Morrison brought the character back, and you know Ming Na Wen bringing Fennec back this season, and how amazing that pairing was. Well, they'll be back in the book of Boba Fett, and that is going to be happening in December of twenty twenty one. But fans were like, "Wait a minute! I thought the third season of The Mandalorian." was going to happen in December of 2021. So is it the same show? Is it a different show? Well, now we know, according to Jon Favreau confirming this now, that it is going to be a separate series. So Book of Boba Fett is going to be more of like a spin-off series of The Mandalorian than anything else. And then The Mandalorian Season 3 will be its own entity, which I think is great. I understand why you might want to, you know, at this point, because you had that great conclusion with the Baby Yoda Grogu storyline and maybe you want to make it an anthology series now, but that but to my point earlier, like I said, there's the depth to so many characters in the Mandalorian, and there's more to like than just Baby Yoda. Like, how do you not like Mando? You know, how do you not like Bo Katan? There there are several other characters that you can go with here. And again, this finale sets up the battle for Mandalore, right? And the battle for the dark saber too, by the way, and and you know how much backstabbing's going to be involved and things like this, and there's also you know th- there's some question marks surrounding Cara Dune as well. There, there there are question marks and things that need to be figured out for the Mandalorian series. So why would you make this an anthology series? And you know what? Give Boba Fett his due. This is a character that was supposed to have his own movie, right? Didn't do di- didn't get that. But now this might actually end up being better. This long-form storytelling really allows them to be able to do this character justice that I'm not sure that you can do in a two-hour movie. And and I know that these episodes of these series only tend to be a half hour long. You get eight episodes, right? But guess what? That means you're getting way more than you get out of one movie anyway. So so again, it's like you're getting two movies for the price of one here. So I think that this is the right move. Absolutely. It also gives us one more Star Wars series to look forward to that we didn't realize we were looking forward to. I mean, this is not something they announced at Disney Investor Day like they could have. So this just adds another one to the list. Now, does this likely push The Mandalorian Season 3 into 2022 because that was supposed to be in December? Probably. Yeah, it seems like that could potentially happen but could you wait you know maybe Boba Fett ends and then Mando just picks her up picks up where that leaves off and what maybe end of January maybe February something like that would be would that be the worst thing in the world if we get you know back to back because before we weren't getting anything we were just getting the Mandalorian and waiting a year now we have a chance to give ourselves something to look forward to potentially back to back and depending on, you know, if these two series will be connected at all, I think that this is the way to go. Even if I've got to wait a little longer for The Mandalorian, I'll take this. So, great move, again, on everybody involved in these series parts. This Disney Plus stuff, so they've really got a handle on what they're doing here with the Star Wars universe. It was a really good weekend, though, this past weekend, if you wanted to talk about renewal news as far as series. so So, here we go. You've got... The Flight Attendant, which was renewed for a second season on HBO Max, and I think that the show definitely deserved a second season. It'll be interesting to see how they turn the page there, though. Lock and Key was actually renewed for a third season before it even premieres its second season on Netflix. And and again, I I always, you you hear that and you go, okay, well, they've got to have a lot of, they've got to really like what they see with this second season, right? Plus... And of course, we haven't seen it yet, which it'll be debuting in 2021, but we haven't seen it yet. And then you think about, you know, well, that happened with The Boys, with Amazon as well, where it got renewed before the second season even premiered. And think about how amazing the second season of The Boys was. So now I'm really stoked for season two of Lock and Key. I remember me talking about The Wilds from Amazon Prime Video not too long ago, given my review of that. And I told you that there was a lot of character depth there, and I told you... That it was a lot more than just another lost. And guess what? Now that's she. That season is going to be, you know, renewed as well. Second season coming for the Wilds on Amazon Prime Video. And then we round things out with His Dark Materials now being renewed by HBO and the BBC for a third season. Now, now that we've gotten all those together, as I look at this list, and I think, okay, which one? Am I looking forward to the most? Which season do I think has a chance to be the best? And maybe I'm a little biased because the comics are so good and because I thought season one was so good and I fell in love with so many of the characters. I just feel like lock and key, just from a character standpoint and premise-wise, for where they could go with this, even though they didn't go letter by letter with the comics, they did a pretty good job of following at following at least the, the idea of the story, right? I think lock and key, especially getting that early vote of confidence. I think this one has a chance to be the best out of the bunch. Now I know that his dark materials had a, had a really good second season. I know that the wilds captured a lot of people's attention. The flight attendants obviously got some good star power, and it's a, and it's a it was a good mystery in its first season. But lock and key is like this is a show that could go a lot of different directions depending on what they do with the second season. And, you know, you've got the supernatural aspect going on here, and there's a lot of unpredictability that can be involved in a show like this. And unpredictability when done well is a very good storytelling tool, let me tell you. So that's why I, and and while I'm looking forward to, to, to pretty much all of these, I just think that Lock and Key to me is the one to really, really look forward to as far as the third season and I realize you know hey we haven't even seen season two yet but if Netflix likes it enough to renew it early then that has to say something because that is not that's something that happens more often than it used to but it's certainly not something that happens every day. Finally this is just Cobra Kai being Cobra Kai and looks like the new home of Netflix hasn't changed a thing for Johnny Lawrence because they came out with a brilliant and I mean brilliant not just tweet but video. To tell us that, yes, Season 3 is going to be released now earlier than they had originally announced. January 1st. That's right. You can kick off your new year, literally and figuratively, with Cobra Kai Season 3 on Netflix. And it's basically Johnny saying, you know, I I, talked to the guy at the pawn shop. He's caught me up to speed on this whole Netflix thing. And, yeah, we've heard you whining. Shut up. Be quiet. And, yeah, it's going to be coming on January 1st. This has always been a a group that knows how to give the fans what they want and i've said that many many times this show this series and everybody that is involved in it and clearly netflix is either letting them do their thing or netflix is just welcoming this whole thing with open arms and saying yeah we're just going to jump on board with exactly what you were doing before but amp it up a little bit more because that's basically what's happened here it's the this is this is a show that has its fandom in the palm of its hand and they know it. And by the way, no apologies for it and there's nothing wrong with it either by the way. Because I I ate that announcement up. I every little bit of it. And I wasn't whining. Remember, you've, I talked about it on the show before. I wasn't whining about having to wait until mid-January, late January, whatever they wanted to do. I was willing to wait. But now I'm even more psyched that we're going to be getting this early. On New Year's Day, so I didn't have any complaints before. I certainly don't have any complaints now. But what I love is that you give us, you give me one more reason to to confirm why I love this show, and, and it's very self aware too, and I love that. So I guess we'll be finding out what's going to be happening with Johnny and and everybody, and are the, is, is the team up with Daniel happening, and what's happening with Miguel, and 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 every all of this stuff. We're going to be finally be able to find out a little bit early on January the first. But just bravo to everybody involved with this show for for no for knowing exactly how to make their announcements every single freaking time. I love it. That's gonna do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Of course really wasn't much nerd news this week because hey, it's Christmas. And I want to say to you, Merry Christmas to you and your family. I hope you have a happy and wonderful Holiday, and I want to make sure you, you you check out our sponsors as well when you get a chance, both Talkspace and the Faraway Collection and Amazon Original Stories Collection. So if you need more information on how to get get those deals, by the way, or any information on this show or other past shows, always get a Down and Nerdy and also follow along with us on social media as well at Down and Nerdy seven five seven on Twitter and on Instagram, and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. Normally this is the time where I tell you, you know be good to fellow nerds and things like that, but but there I did want to end the show and I and I don't want to end it on a downer or anything, but I wanted to end the show on a bit of a personal note be, being that it is Christmas and it is the holidays. Unfortunately, my family and I uh did suffer a tragedy a few days before Christmas. Our uh our beloved uh, our beloved baby boy Rugby, our our dog, our first baby that uh, my wife and I were, were, were blessed with and, and found, she found him uh, online and we, we, went, we, went, we traveled to pick him up, he wasn't in our area and you know fell in love with him instantly and he gave us 12 amazing, amazing years and, and passed away suddenly just a few days before Christmas and if the show sounded a little different this week, my, my heart's still very, very broken. Over this because he was very much our child. And and I know that some people don't understand how an animal can be such a part of your family like that. But for those that do, you understand why my heart aches as much as it does. So I just want to say during this Christmas season, if you are fortunate enough to spend it with your family, with your loved ones, whether they have two legs or four legs, please hug them a little tighter Spend a little bit more time with them, just bask in the joy of their company as much as you can, because it you truly don't know when your last day is going to be, either for yourself or with them. So just if do please do that for me, in in loving memory of my my sweet sweet rugby. Please do that this holiday season if you're able. So please be safe, be merry, have a very merry Christmas. And I will see you next week on the show. And yes, please do be good to your fellow nerds.